As we said in the email newsletter, since we will be in Isaiah all year, we're going to be traveling to different places around the book in order to focus on different passages that fit the church calendar on holidays. So today we are in chapter 52 of Isaiah. And on this Palm Sunday, when we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey to the cheers of the crowd who hailed him as king, we hearken back to the prophet who foretold so much about the Messiah. This chapter is an encouragement to get the people of Isaiah's time ready for deliverance. They've been in exile and the time is drawing close for their return home. And these are words for people who lived faithfully before the Lord in Isaiah's time, who lived faithfully before the Lord in Jesus' time, and who today live faithfully before the Lord. So we're going to be reading this in three sections with an emphasis on the middle section. So let us ready our souls to receive communion from the Lord's table on this first day of Holy Week. Chapter 52, verse 1. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall enter you no more. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter Zion. For thus says the Lord, you are sold for nothing and you shall re be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, long ago my people went down into Egypt to reside there as aliens. The Assyrian too has oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what am I doing here, says the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away without cause? Their rulers howl, says the Lord, and continually all day long my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. On that day, they shall know it is I who speak. It is I, God reigns. Awake, God says. Awake. Telling people to wake up is often found as an exhortation in scripture. What kind of person are you when it's time to rise and shine in the morning? Do you hit snooze and grumpily get up after the alarm has gone off several times? Do you bound out of bed ready to face the day when the alarm goes off? Or are you somewhere in between? Isaiah uses an image we all understand, especially when we think about it spiritually. The prophet here is saying, wake up to God. Wake up to who the Savior is. Wake up to what God is doing. Wake up, don't be asleep when the Lord comes to get you. Pay attention, be alert. God expects his people to be waiting in expectation, trusting with hope. Notice how these words are directed to the city of Zion. There's going to be a celebration. So not only are the inhabitants to wake up, they're to get dressed up, to get ready for a party. They are to wear God's strength. The New Testament writers tell us to clothe ourselves with God's very self, with humility and kindness, with God's love. With new clothes, the holy city is once again going to be full of those who seek the Lord. Put on God's might, Isaiah says, as a beautiful garment. Shake the dust off. Take off what has been choking you. Get ready to celebrate. 
As with the deliverance in Egypt, God has a plan to redeem people. And all of the strong nations, Isaiah says, around Israel believe that they are in charge. They are not. When the rescue comes, everyone will know that it is God's doing, God the mighty one. It will be so miraculous that everyone will know God's voice and only God who has done it. Now we come to verses 7 through 10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news and announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. For in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth. Shout together for joy, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his mighty, his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of it. Purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord, for you shall not go out in haste. You shall not go out in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. For Palm Sunday and for the two services at Easter at the beach and in here, we are studying three different passages of Isaiah. And a few weeks ago, when I was reading them and looking over them and praying over them, I noticed that all of them talk about a mountain. Now, this wasn't planned on our part. It's a little Holy Spirit gift. But what a rich image to think about as we celebrate how Jesus intentionally, intentionally extends his life to us. In Isaiah, the mountain of the Lord is a symbol of the place where Yahweh dwells, where Yahweh makes his will known, like with Moses, when Moses would go up to the mountain. It's also, of course, a metaphor for heaven, the dwelling place of the Almighty. Here we read how it is the place the messenger descends from. And when we apply this to Christ, it is quite profound. Jesus comes from a faraway place, from the mountains, from the heights to live on earth. How beautiful, Isaiah says. How beautiful are the feet of the Lord. How good it must have been to see the feet of the one coming to save. The feet who traveled so many miles to teach about God. The feet that walked on water. The feet that were washed with the tears of Mary, the feet which were nailed to a wooden cross. What does the messenger bring according to the scripture? Peace, good news, salvation, comfort, redemption. God accomplishes a new day, not with a vengeful army, but with sacrificial love. This scripture is directed to Israel, but it's also a beautiful foreshadowing of how God's plan includes everyone. Verse 10 says that the holy arm of the Lord will be shown to all the nations on the earth. 
Not just Israel. Everyone will be invited to accept the salvation of the Lord. So like the people who shouted and sang when Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, the people here will shout for joy at the return of the Lord into the same city. They'll be rescued from their exile. And in that, when that happens, they are to stay close to the Lord who will go before them and who will be their rear guard. Now that we're reminded of some of the story of Isaiah, that we've been, we've been teaching and preaching about this story in Isaiah, it gives us a new complexity, doesn't it, for what Palm Sunday means, for the narrative about Jesus coming into Jerusalem? The followers of Jesus were the descendants of those who lived through the exile. And we understand more now why they wanted a mighty king. Why they wanted someone to remove Roman oppression from their everyday lives. Because like many cultures and people whose forebears had to live with having everything taken away or who were forcibly removed from their land, the Jewish people in Jesus' day were still living with the indignities that their people suffered. And so these words of Isaiah meant something to them different than it does for us. They were experiencing the exile firsthand. They meant something to the people who held Jesus on Palm Sunday, who perhaps couldn't believe their good fortune that the Messiah had come to rescue them. Of course, they shouted for joy. They celebrated that God had sent a king finally. And these words mean something for us today as we contemplate the good news Jesus brings for us. We finish up with verses 13 through 15. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high, just as there were many who were astonished at him. So marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see. And that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. These words of Isaiah are believed to be referring to Israel herself, who comes out of exile much different, much different than when she went in. Israel's not the same after all those years. But with God's help, Isaiah says they will prosper. They will be an example. Their release is meant to cause their, their neighbors to stand up and wonder what has happened and to know that it was God, to know that Yahweh redeems. In the book of John, there is an allusion to this scripture when Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Just as Israel's looks have changed through the exile we know that the physical appearance of Jesus is marred beyond recognition because of the beatings and the crucifixion. There is suffering and sacrifice involved for the one who frees the prisoners. Yet through being raised from death, Jesus is exalted and then graciously lifts us up to those who call on his name. We have a God who saves no matter how egregious our sins, how far we have gone from the Lord, he makes it possible for us to find forgiveness. These words are meant for Isaiah's audience, but we also find truth in them today for the Messiah who suffered on behalf of everyone in all times and places and brings salvation to those who are weary and lost and far from home.
those of us, all of us, who need grace. So today we are invited to receive Christ's life as our own. Jesus' death on the cross was a sacrificial rescue. There's no trade of prisoners. There's no political goods for release. Just a Savior who had the ability and freely chose to take every punishment that we should have received upon himself. The people on that first Palm Sunday hailed Jesus as king. But we know that some of them had a very small idea of what that meant. Jesus doesn't come to save us from our political enemies or from our physical sufferings or from the unfair circumstances that oppress us that we want so badly to be out of. Surely his salvation does help us and bring us freedom for some of those things at times. But God's plan is far grander than that. Jesus ultimately frees us from the shame of our sin, the sorrows we carry, the finality of death. As we remember Christ's death by eating and drinking the elements, may we, be, may we celebrate how we have been rescued from that death. When we think about God's people as they waited to be released from exile, we think how desperate they must have been. How desperate they must have been for Yahweh to bring freedom. We think about the people who wave the palm branches and how desperate they were for the power of the Messiah. Do you ever imagine your life without God in it? Do you ever think about what your life would have been had God not saved you, not intervened, not loved you, not called you by name? Do you ever think about that? Where would we be? Where would you be if you hadn't said yes to Jesus when he came to get you out of your prison? It's humbling to recognize how God's grace transforms everything about us and then gives us a life we wouldn't have otherwise had in a world that benefits immensely from the presence and love of God. So this morning we come to remember the wounds of Jesus and the agony that he endured for all people so that everyone on earth could have new life. But as we remember, let's also remember how we still desperately need him. To desperately come before the Lord and be profoundly grateful for his faithful love that makes us whole, that gives us peace and comfort and salvation and redemption. Let's come with thankful hearts to the Lord's table today. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.